0: Yeah. And it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each or inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go to practice. To the sideline to the locker room following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints' season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. <laughs> oh, baby. We are Inside Black and Gold, Steve Geller, along with Jeff Nowak, on your NFC South leading podcast for your five and five (laughs) Saints. Yeah. (laughs) This
1: is a celebration podcast, right? Oh, yeah, we're only going to talk about nice things. That would be kind of hilarious, and everyone would be so mad if we just came on here and pretended that everything was great. like, guys, this is fantastic. We're in first place. Aren't you excited? oh my gosh and it is like there's an alternate reality where you might feel that way right like there's a there's a universe where things could have gone a certain way and you're five and five at this point and you're like oh we're you know we got everything out in front of us you know if if it wasn't like the easiest schedule ever in the history of the (laughs) nfl and you know uh anyway you weren't facing teams best players right you weren't you you didn't have just have a run of three backup quarterbacks that i guess it's like you did go two and one i think back before Kirk cousins got hurt I looked at this and I was like if you go two and one you, you won't be too too upset and at the end of the day the reason you're in first place is because you went two and one so like in that sense it's just the way you got to that one is very <laughs> frustrating um but all right this is like like he said this is inside black and gold uh so we're gonna this is we're gonna change the format here a little bit um so we're gonna do this first segment we're gonna give you some updates on injuries what Dennis Allen talked about wanted to wait until he spoke to record this because I didn't want to give you outdated injury information. Uh, so we're going to deal with a lot of that in the first segment. Second segment, we are going to talk about what didn't work, kind of how we've been doing it the last few weeks. I think it's been, I think it's worked. So we'll continue that. Third segment, what did work? And some positives from this game to, to going forward. There aren't a ton of them. It'll be a short segment. So let's get into it. Uh, first, you know, the I will say one good thing about the trip up to Minnesota is. I went to a very fancy steakhouse. that had a uh, a very good meal. It was the it was the highlight of that trip because <laughs> it didn't get any better the next day. Um, one thing that I will say is, I've been thinking about this. Rest at a certain point, restaurants are just expensive to be expensive. Because like I know how much a bottle of bourbon costs, right? You know, and so why are you charging me twenty seven dollars? For an old fashioned? <laughs> no, not even an old fashioned. If it was an old fashioned, you could at least sell me on the fact that the bartender did some work and I should be paying the bartender. you are just getting it straight. I just, had, uh, I, I just got a bourbon rocks, right? Yeah. So I think, and it was bullet, right? I know how much a bottle of bullet bourbon costs. It was $27. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, guys? <laughs> it like, uh, in this, and this has nothing to do with the Saints, but this podcast is going to be so miserable. I just want to get to something first. So, like, in my head it's like what if if you would allow me to i could go buy a bottle of bullet come in here hand it to the bartender and say okay i'm going to drink out of this <laughs> you can keep the rest <laughs> but like that would be cheaper than buying two drinks at this restaurant uh, it's just funny cuz it's like if, like the, the cow is expensive, right? Like my steak costs $70 by itself, but you can at least sell me. It's like this cow was treated like a king until we chopped it up to serve it to you. You know, like you're not giving me special <laughs> bourbon. You're giving me the bottle I can get at Costco. Anyway, that's it. Either yeah, way, it was for some very reason,
0: good. Restaurants are able to get away with that markup on liquor. Ridiculously. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, my, my I had two drinks. It
1: was $47 for the drinks. <laughs> anyway, Manny's Steakhouse was very good. And uh, yeah, so anyway, that was a prime cut. The game was not a prime cut for a lot of reasons. And that's, the, and that's the segue uh, back into the fact that this is a football podcast, not a steakhouse podcast. But man, so <laughs> we, we talk a lot about how the Saints have had good luck with with injuries outside of, you know, the other NFC North Road trip where Derek Carr left with a... With, he didn't have a concussion that game, but he left with, with a right shoulder injury. This game, you had Mike Thomas go out after the second play of the game. Uh, Dennis Allen said he caught a he took a helmet to the knee, and you know it just just didn't happen the rest of the way. So then Derek Carr goes out. I think in this game he went out with about seven minutes left in the third quarter in the Packers game, he went out with about 10 minutes left in the third quarter. So it was almost kind of a a shot for shot remake with the exception of in the Packers game, you were ahead 17, nothing when he went out in this game, you were behind by 21 when he went out. So that's the other injury. And then Marshawn Lattimore went off the field with a ankle sprain. He left the game, did not come back. So, and those are only the significant injuries. Like it felt like every play, someone was cobbling off the field and, like, so I know Alanti Taylor went into the injury tent at one point. Malcolm Roach went into the injury tent at one point. A.T. Perry went into the injury tent. Chris Olave was clearly dealing with something in the second half of that game. You could really tell in between plays, and I don't know how much they showed on the broadcast, but like he would run, he would be fine during the play, you know, because you can kind of the adrenaline of a play can get you through a play. But in between, when he was kind of walking in and out of the huddle, you could see he was kind of, limping a little bit. I don't know if that's that toe injury that he was dealing with previously. Looked like Rashid Shahid was dealing with something. Uh, It was just every player seemed like they had something going on. And, uh, you know, I know Mike Thomas retweeted a tweet about how the Vikings turf is like, you know, terrible and they're replacing it after this year. And it's like the NFLPA has deemed it like more dangerous than other types of turf in terms of lower body injuries. And, uh, you know, I, I believe it because that game was crazy from an injury perspective.
0: Yeah, it's wild that it's uh, acknowledged by the NFLPA. You think like there'd be some kind of like ex- expedited, you know, uh, what whatever to try and replace that as soon as possible, you know, because we're so concerned about the safety of our players. Yeah, well, I mean,
1: it's happening next season, so you can't do it in season, right? It takes a little while. And it's actually, you know, you have to pack it down, right? Like you can't just play on new turf immediately. That's uh, I don't know if people know this. Tulane practices at the Superdome in the off season, or at least they did this off season. And one of the reasons is because they replaced the turf, and they want Tulane out to run around on it out there, and you know, uh, and to to pack it all down so that it's not when you get out there for the first time for the Saints, it's not just all fresh. I know they've had like marching bands practice there too. Like it's they're they're it, it takes a little bit more than just replacing the turf. Um and with U.S. Bank, it's obviously indoors. Although you could probably have natural grass in there. I mean, it,
0: it felt like on TV it, with the light shining in. They lo- it felt like an outside game there.
1: Yeah, I mean, half the stadium is glass. Like I, I find it hard to believe you couldn't you couldn't survive grass in there. Um, even if you just had to add some mirrors to make sure every corner gets touched by the <laughs> by the light. I don't know. Is that how chlorophyll works? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> But <laughs> moving on. So we got updates from Dennis Allen today on the injuries. Um, he said that Derek's injury, he's in the concussion protocol, which is obviously difficult. And, but he does have two weeks to come back. So you have to, you, you'd imagine that he'll probably be okay to come back for week 12. The right shoulder injury is not a thing. Like it's just something I think they were being, having being precautious is precautious. A word. Am I saying that? Yeah. there were just, there was some precaution yeah. going on with that, but it wasn't anything significant. So, from a shoulder perspective he'll be fine um mike thomas and marshawn Lattimore, he termed them as quote fairly significant which that's kind of the difference in for da in terms of he calls them not significant significant fairly significant that's kind of his tiers of injuries so i imagine what him saying that both of those guys would probably not play this week if they had a game now two weeks that's another question. I think I think Marshawn's injury is the more is the is the one you're a little more worried about. Ian Rappaport called it a high ankle sprain and high ankle, you know, anytime you hear ankle sprain, you want to hear low ankle sprain. Anytime it's a high ankle sprain, that's a lot more lingering, right? It just takes longer to come back from. And ankles are just tough. I mean, if you've ever had an ankle injury, I've had a, my fair share of them you know, it'll, it's one of those things where you feel like it's right. You feel like it's right. And then all of a sudden you try to put pressure on it. Like, you you know, you're, you're going full speed. You're like, I get, I got them playing basketball a lot and, I, and then you'll land and it'll just go and you're right back to square one. And that's why ankle injury is such a pain. Um, the good news for the saints is Ike Adam. you know what to expect from him. You did see him for three games or two games. How many games did Paulson miss? You saw him earlier this season when Paulson Debo missed some time and you know, he graded out as one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL over that span. He was very good. So obviously, if Marshawn can't go, you lose a lot going to your backup. But you do at least have, it's not like you're starting Chris Harris or some rookie that you've never seen before. Like last year, you had to kind of throw Elante into the fire and he played well, but you didn't know what to expect this year. This, now you at least know what to expect and hopefully it's not something that keeps him out for too long.
0: Uh, With Dennis Allen too mentioning, I I don't think you brought up, they're not season ending, but um, they, and and he also mentioned second opinions for Mike and um, uh, Mike T and uh, Lattimore, obviously. Uh, So I don't know if when you hear, you know, significant, and I don't know, it's going for a second opinion, luckily not season ending. I'm just wondering even if both of those guys are going to be ready after the bye week.
1: I don't see anything as being, you know, season injured ending or anything like that, you know, but, uh, you know, we're still going through kind of some second opinions and things of that nature. So without really having all that, I really don't want to get into timelines Timeline. and things like that. Timelines. Yeah, he, he learned from last year not to get into timelines with Mike. Cause, and, and that's the thing. It's like with Mike, it's just, you don't want to take any risks. Right. And uh, so I don't know, like second. Yeah. I mean, second opinions in that typically you're talking about okay surgery versus no surgery right and so I I don't know if there if there was if you were looking at it and saying that this is needs surgical remediation to fix then you probably would be talking about a season-ending injury yeah and, and I know you know and Nick Underhill who gets this you know he gets the injury stuff real fast I think he talked to Mike and he reported that it wasn't a significant injury. And then, you know, we we were tweeting about what Dennis Allen said. And he's like, well, I guess Mike or Nick got bad information. It's like, that's not, you know, like when you're talking about knee stuff or, you know, ankle injuries, you really don't know until they do some imaging tests. So Mike could be there and saying like, my knee is fine. Right. It's no big but, deal. You know, you could have some like a minor tear, or the MCL or anything like that, that that he probably wouldn't even register because he didn't go back and play at full speed, he doesn't. Right. There's no way for him to really know what his knee will do when he goes back out there. So hopefully that that there wasn't anything significant on the in, on the imaging test. But clearly, it sounds like you know you're gonna you're gonna have to brace for maybe some missed time there. You know, one of the other things that Dennis Allen talked about was he doesn't anticipate any staffing changes, which I'm not surprised by that. If you're surprised by that by now, that's on you. Kind right, of, you don't know this twice. team then, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> fool me once, fool me twice, kind of thing. You know, it's like he this is a pass fail class. The, the people in the building are gonna either fix it or fail with it, and you're gonna go right. from there. Um, the bigger question is are you gonna see any changes on the field? I know and I know Stan verrett feels like Jameis should be the starter. He was very loud about it on Twitter. Uh Stan Stan's a big Saints fan. Um And, you know, he was talking about how they should they should go to Jameis. I saw a few people saying they should go to Jameis. Um, We'll talk more about Jameis in the what did work segment, because I think he did enough to land in there. Even though those last two interceptions, there was a lot of things to criticize, particularly on that last one. Um, But, you know, I think he did give them a spark. And so you ask, okay, maybe you look at it and say, uh, we'll we'll think about this. We'll look at it. We'll we'll have a conversation and say, maybe this is the moment that you turn to him. But if if you uh kind of look at what Dennis Allen had to say about it after the game, I think you get a pretty a pretty clear answer as to um what they're what they're actually talking about there
0: well we'll see where Derek's at I mean I, I, yeah i don't i don't I don't think we're uh, well I know we're not we're not in a in a competition there. I thought Jameis did some, some good things. Um, but
1: you know, Derek Car's are starting quarterback Yeah. And I found that entertaining because you can, I, I, he like that thought clearly had never even crossed his mind. Oh, well, you know, we got to see where Derek is. I mean, well, well, you could tell that when he was initially asked the question, he kind of took it as, do you think Derek will be ready to start in two weeks? Right. right. And halfway through his answer. He was like, oh, wait, they're actually asking me if I think I'm going to reevaluate my starting quarterback. There's and no he was competition. Like, you know what? Absolutely not, and like to me, it's like so. You wonder would Dennis Allen consider going to Jameis? And I think, no, I don't. I really don't. I don't think that's a conversation that's happening internally. And you can argue that that's wrong, and you know, I think that it is wrong. You should be having that conversation, but I don't think that for a second you should sit there holding your breath for Jameis to be the. Star- they wouldn't go. I mean, they went to Andy Dalton last year. And they stuck with Andy Dalton the, for 14 games. If you're not going to Jameis then, you really think they're going to go to Jameis no. now? Absolutely not. Right? Like, it's just not what they're going to do. You know, you could say that's the wrong decision. And you can make a very valid argument that that's the wrong decision based on what we have seen. But
0: I'm just living in the reality that we that they have set for us. Right? It's um, like, yeah, we, we had a cheap Andy Dalton then. Now we have an expensive Andy Dalton now. We're not, we're not going away from him.
1: Right, and, and so here's the other thing. It's like if the idea is, you know, DA is <laughs> trying to make decisions to save his job. Again, like we've talked about this, I'm pretty sure we've said this exact thing before. Going to Jameis is not. You're still gonna if you're gonna fire DA unless things get turned around. It's gotta happen with Derek. If you go to Jameis and suddenly that 150 million dollar investment, which I, I think the the 150 million dollar number gets brought up way too <laughs> way often. Too yeah, absolutely. It, it's like, it doesn't really affect anything. Like show me the players that aren't here because you're paying Derek. Cause I, I don't see any, like, I don't, I don't see anyone who, who went out the door for any reason other than someone paid them way above market. Um, You signed free agents, you kept micro. So like that number, I don't care about, but down the road, you care about it. You aren't, if you're changing that now, if you're cutting bait after 10 games, then you're then you are starting from scratch. So if for the if, if you're thinking, oh, well, Da is going to think, you know, practically and say, well, we can maybe win some games with Jameis. It's like, no, you're getting fired if you do that, because that just doesn't make sense. You, you, like Derek and J, or Derek and Da are kind of a package deal, right? <laughs> so, yeah, and I think
0: like you mentioned, we we saw it last year when it looked like, hey, Jameis is ready to come back and play. And Pete and D.A. were both like, nah, not so much. Yeah, and I
1: think Jameis played pretty well. I mean, (laughs) that that throw across the field was an absolutely unhinged decision. Let's be real. (laughs) Like, I I saw some, you know, the funny, the takes on it were kind of funny because I saw some people saying, what a great decision and great throw. And then I saw, but I think there is a balance there where you're like, no, that's a bad decision. (laughs) I saw somebody be like, yeah, Drew Brees, would never have made that play because Drew Brees would never have made that throw. And it was a great throw, right? And that's the thing. It was a bad decision, but it was an absolute dime of a throw. Right. Right. And I know this because uh, if you watch the replay of it, you can see I happen to be standing like right at the corner of the end zone, uh, like kind of where the tunnel is. And I, I just, I was just watching. I was like, they completely ignored A.T. Perry. And I was like, Oh man, if only Jameis hadn't rolled out the opposite direction, this would be a touchdown. Like I literally had that thought flip through my brain in the split second before he just <laughs> chucked it. You know, you saw that 90 90 something hour fastball coming out there, like uh, you know, back in those Florida State days. He just hurled that thing, and you could tell AT was surprised by it. Like, like he 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 had a kind of a late reaction. I think that actually helped him With to the actually. Ball, give- yeah. Well, I don't know if that's the case, but, you know, you talk about late hands, right? He kind of had like an unintentional case of late hands where the DB wasn't looking back for the ball. And so because he reacted late, that allowed him to get up there and make that catch or at least get his hands on it first. I don't even know why we're talking about this, but like I thought Jameis, he did. He did well. You know, I think he did what you need your backup to do in that situation, which is come in, you know, just go for it. Right. I was talking to Mike Haas after the game. I was like, I don't, has any, I, I've never actually seen a team pull off what the Saints looked like they were on the verge of pulling off in that game, which is coming back from a 24 point
0: deficit in three scores. You know what I mean? No, it was, it was like all of a sudden things started humming and it was like touchdown, two point conversion, touchdown, two point conversion. Oh, and right. then you had, you had belief again. Suddenly, like, holy crap, we can do this. Well, I mean, they cut it to one score with like 11 minutes left. Like there was <laughs> yeah. so much time.
1: And and the problem is like it kind of felt like they were not prepared to be within one score that early and they never got out of the mode where they were in complete go for it. And it's like no, just run your offense now. Like you don't have to get right. it all right here. You you can just run an offense, but it felt like they were just so they were they were just locked into that idea of like, "Oh, we got to score" Fast, we gotta keep going. We can't. It was like, no, you, you're only down one score. But but like I like I said, I don't think I've ever like I've seen teams try to execute that where you score and you get a two-point conversion, but I don't think I have ever seen a team pull it off in coming all the way back from 24. I'm sure it's happened, but like I've never witnessed it. And it was like because you could tell the fans were like at 24 points up, they're like, it's over, you know, like we're celebrating, and then all of a sudden it's like Wait a second. You heard more Creed music coming in. Well, the Creed music didn't start until that the second interception. That's when the Creed music came in. Gotcha. But it was a little bold because that that Hail Mary, I was a little closer to. I mean, that was a great throw. Like you, that's exactly what you want to do with that Hail Mary, right? Like you, you get it right to the front of the end zone where everyone's kind of battling. The only issue for the Saints is you don't have. You know, it's like Marquez Callaway was always really good at that. Like I think yeah. they. That's a situation where you miss him. He caught a Hail Mary against Washington. You know, Jimmy Graham wasn't active. So I had I saw someone be like, why wasn't Jimmy in there? Who's that? I don't even know who that he is. He didn't even have pads on. He couldn't go in there. But yeah, he would have been nice to have in that scenario, right? Wouldn't that have been nice to have your 6'5 tight end just standing there uh, taller than everybody else? Just saying. Yeah, uh, but... That's that's basically the end of that segment, you know. And there's going to be injury questions. There's going to be questions about personnel. Do you make any offensive line changes? You know, do you maybe shift back to James Hurst at left tackle? I don't think Andre Speed had a particularly good game, but you know, that's just the Vikings make life really difficult on you. There's going to be some interesting questions uh, going forward. But from a health perspective, I think you know that's going to be the the biggest thing to watch. Is you know, it does Marshawn and Mike miss any time, and if they do. How long? What do you do in their absence? A.T. Perry's probably going to get more run. I think he earned it. And and Ike Adam, And then maybe, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you do at the corner position. Who's your, th- who's your next man up at corner behind, behind Ike? That's going to be an interesting question. Um, but uh, otherwise, you know, you're just going to have to roll with it and see what happens.
0: No, and I know a lot of the talk at the, the beginning of the season, we were, you know, projecting what should we expect? What do you think will happen with Michael Thomas – and, well, we, we just about made it to double-digit games, and that's what I, all I was asking for out of him. So I, I guess uh, I should be impressed he's made it this far. But, yeah, that's a, a tough out for him there. Obviously, the weekend he had with an arrest, and, and then what he took it – it was a helmet to the knee, right, that basically caused the injury?
1: Well, so I, I thought at first he might have been dealing with a rib issue because that first play of the game, he took a shot right yeah. to the midsection and he dropped the ball. The second play was apparently the one where he got hurt and he gives that, that little slant, which is like a slant. <laughs> and he got a I think <laughs> he, I think first down. Him. Yeah. I think it was, a, it was a nice little play. And uh, you know, it's funny because we talked, you know, it's like one of those situations where earlier in the season, he was like, I like getting hit. Let me get hit. You know, the Patriots game, for example, he took some big shots Yeah, and he was just like, yeah, throw me that ball. I want that ball. Um, But yeah, you know, that's, that's why you need to protect your receivers a little bit. But yeah.
0: Yeah, that that'll obviously you know we just saw Mike deal with a whole slew of injuries and fight through them to get back, and it looked like you know we we were finally past those foot issues and now this crap happens with the knee issue. Yeah, we'll
1: see. I mean, I I don't I don't think it's season ending, right? Like the DA said that if it, if it right. was anything that was you know major surgical, you I don't think he would have come out and said that. So hopefully it is something that you know they were just being they were just being again precautious. Um, I don't even know yeah. if that's the word, but you get it. Uh, in, so in the,
0: poor Mike uh, is now just rehabbing and sitting in his living room, looking out for those, you know, <laughs> uh, construction workers outside. Now he'll have, he'll have plenty of time to worry about his lawn. My
1: life. lawn. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we didn't even talk about that. That's a weird situation. <laughs> but I don't think we need. to. I mean, it's like it's it's going to be one of those situations where people are like, oh my gosh, yeah, know yeah. It's like he got he got in a dispute with his with a contractor who was being a dick. Right, exactly. Like I've been there, you know. I'm just not. I'm not Mike Thomas, so no one writes about it when it happens. You know, no one. No one calls the cops on me when I yell at the contractor next to my house. Well,
0: that's what I, too. I think is being a little blown out of proportion. People are like, "Oh, those Saints receivers! All right, one of them got a speeding ticket, and the other one got into an, an argument."
1: Yeah, right. O- okay, I'm not gonna get worked up about it. Anyway, okay, let's re- let's finish that segment. We're going to come back. And we're going to dive into what didn't work. What what are we going to complain about the most? <laughs> and there's plenty. So that's going to be probably the longer segment. Final segment we're going to talk about what did work. What did we come away feeling good about? And this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Stick around.